and podcasts and the whole thing that it's really hard to settle my mind to um, just to relax or to chill out or to hear the voice of God, right? To, um, you know, the way I described it to a friend, I, I feel like it's a lot more difficult now than it was 10 years ago to sit in one spot and think about one thing for a few minutes. Um, so um, what we're going to do today is a little bit of breathing worship or breathing meditation, as it's often called. And so I wanted to walk you through like what I've been doing. This is something I kind of picked up on this past summer and that I've um, been working at. And it's actually, for me, it's proven to be a real benefit. And so I thought I would share it with you guys. And hopefully, you know, it's something you can take with you um, and use uh, in your life. So, um, so scientifically speaking, we're talking about focusing on the breath. We're talking about quieting the mind. And all of your all of your mind is focused just on breathing. Um, the way that I think of it is, you know, have you ever had a really bad flu? Maybe you had coronavirus, um, but you know you've been stuffed up and sore throat, and it's really painful. And you just think, whenever whenever I can get out of this flu, I'll be so thankful to be back to normal health. I've taken my normal health for granted all this time. How could I have taken my health for granted? And when I get out of this flu, I'm going to be so much happier and, you know, always be thankful for my health. And that that usually goes for a day or two. <laughs> and then you forget about it again. And so, you know, the way that I think of this is what if God gave us breath? It's the one thing that we do all the time without even thinking about it. It's it's we never think about it, really, unless we're having a problem breathing. So what if we take the time? to focus on the thing that God has created and does in each one of us all the time. You know, I, I thought about if God is moving, if you want to feel God moving in your life, think about your breathing because that is God. That is what he is doing in you and through you. Um, and then scientifically speaking, focusing on your breathing, and I'm talking about a deep inhalation and a slow exhalation, Scientifically speaking, slows your heart rate, um, decreases anxiety, has tremendously good neurological effects. Um, so it's really good for your brain. Um, it's good for your mental health. So you can start thinking about um, your body and be more connected with your body. After all, that is the vessel that God has put you in. Um, so when we're talking about focusing on your breath, um, when you breathe in, just do it naturally. Do it right now. Feel yourself breathing because you're going to do it even involuntarily, right? So don't focus on uh, how you're breathing. Your breath will always come. Don't judge yourself for whether you're doing it right. You're always going to breathe, and there will always be a next breath as long as you're alive. So don't struggle with it. Um, so I would take take a deep breath in and then slowly Breathe it out. You want the breathe out to be about as twice as long as the breathe in. That's when you're, if you're aware of it and you're thinking about it, it's a good way to slow your heart rate and to calm yourself down. So breathe in. And hold it for a couple seconds. And then breathe out slowly. Some people will say if you breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth, that's a good way to be mindful of it. So breathe in. And breathe out slowly. 
And so with this practice, so you can just do that. And that's a great way to connect with uh, your body, connect with what God is doing in you. But also um, that is, I think, a tool that we can use. And so here's where I get into the worship part. Okay, ready? This is kind of part two. So that's the breathing. But God gives us the breathing uh, to use the wisdom of our body, right? Our, our breathing and our prayerful breathing helps us slow down our body. We breathe slowly and deeply. Um, and I think we can connect with the Holy Spirit. So for our mind to stop jumping from one thing to another, even as you're doing that and when you're doing this for the first time or the first however many times, your brain might still go to, oh, what about that thing? And what about that person? And what about that other thing I need to do? That's okay. No judgment. Just bring your mind back to your breathing. Um, so um, Philippians 4, 8 and 9 it says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, you've heard this before, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whenever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. So with breathing prayer, we hope to become less reactive and more receptive to what God has for us. So this is where the prayer part comes in. So what I like to do is on the inhale, I like to have one thought and on the exhale followed by a second thought. So let me give you an example. So on the inhale, I might say in my mind, I might say um, breathing in, I inhale the Holy Spirit. Breathing out, I exhale compassion. Breathing in, I inhale the Holy Spirit, or I invite the Holy Spirit. Breathing out, I exhale compassion. That's one of the ones I, I, I do all the time. Breathing out compassion means breathing out compassion on myself. You know, we're our own biggest judge. You know, the enemy is always condemning us in our own minds. Breathing out compassion on myself and being able to just be enjoy being alive in the act of breathing makes me thankful to God. Breathing in the Holy Spirit is inviting God to um, commune with me, to speak with me, to just sit and be with me, and to not you know have to be again jumping from thought to thought or being on a treadmill of um, um, earning and learning and trying to be better. Right, jump off that treadmill and sit down and breathe. So inhale, we invite the Holy Spirit. Exhale, we breathe out compassion. Inhale, God, we invite your Holy Spirit. Exhale, we breathe out compassion. Um, so this is a practice that you can do that's, for me, is probably the most worshipful thing I can do right now. Um, even as a worship leader, even as a person who sings, um, this is something I go to all the time. I was in an airport about 10 days ago, and I was doing this in the airport because I was about to have a crazy panic attack. Um, and I was kind of in the middle of that. And so I was doing this breathing exercise to calm myself down. And uh, you can do it then. You can also do it when you have a quiet moment and you're in a chair at home. You can do it in your car. Um, so this is something you can kind of carry with you um, 
and to center yourself, to feel that peaceful calm and invite God's presence into your mind and into your body in really a physical way and something that you do all the time um, that we may take for granted. So let me read this to you. Um, So as you breathe, so go ahead and take some deep breaths and exhales. And I'm going to read this little devotional as we do that together. So this is from uh, the Instagram account called Black Liturgies. Um, Amanda Kane shared this with me and I follow this account and it's fantastic. Um, so this is a post that uh, they did recently. So breathe in and breathe out. And I'm going to read this. God of sleepless nights, it is comforting to think that you knew fear that you stayed awake praying, sweating blood, trying to make sense of your circumstances the night before your death. It reminds us that we serve a God who had to exist in fear. Our bodies are riddled with anxiety, Lord. So we eat, we look at screens, we lash out, we do a thousand unhelpful things to placate, if only for a moment, the tension that's rising within us. There are those of us who know an elusive anxiety, a fear that cannot even be placed or rationalized. Help it not to alienate us, but to draw us into communities of patience and understanding. Steady us in your arms, Lord, that your presence with us would be a mother's tenderness, that we would be rocked and swayed, and that it would be the kind of rocking that brings comfort to us in the arms of our maker and sustainer. Let us breathe deep, keeping rhythm with the chest of God. All right. Well, thanks for doing that with me. I hope that practice is something you can take with you. I'm going to pass it to Dan and Sharon Buttry. Hey everybody, how are you doing? Um, so I'm going to be doing the testimonies, leading the testimonies, and um, and as I was thinking about it, it's interesting. James and I didn't communicate at all about what we were doing, and I think the Holy Spirit was weaving because I was going to do a song to lead into uh, testimonies, and and it's it's about something as simple as breathing in a way. Uh, breathing is that simple activity we do moment by moment without thinking. And uh, there was a group of kind of like a pre-Pentecostal spin-off Christians uh, called the Shakers. And they had a tune that has uh, spread all around the world. It goes like this. Tis a gift to be simple. Tis a gift to be free. Tis a gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, it will be in the season of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning we come round right. You know, so much of 
what God does in us is in the simple things. And uh, one simple thing that uh, is going to be a way that God's going to speak to us today is, uh, is that we're going to be eating a meal prepared by somebody else. We've got a little circle here in Hamtramck. We call it the co-housing group. And, um, we, you know, we used to meet together, social distance in the summertime. But uh, with winter coming, we decided to, to start sharing meals uh, where one uh, family or single person or, uh, will, will put together meals to feed everybody on Sunday. And, uh, and then we rotate. And so, so um, somebody's bringing us a meal that they made, and we're going to enjoy that meal. Very simple thing, but a beautiful way of experiencing love and togetherness. So if you want to share uh, a, a story, it doesn't have to be a simple story. It could be something, you know, if God's done some amazing things. But don't, don't discount the simple things because so many times God is in those simple things. Um, and so put your name in the, uh, in the chat and uh, we'll highlight you and unmute you so that you can share uh, the simple things that... Um, uh, or how God is speaking through you or to you. And uh, we'll start with Jacqueline. I see you, Jacqueline. As soon as you're unmuted, you can share. Here we go, Jacqueline. You're on. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say that I'm... That I'm thankful for for the doctors and nurses who are, who are helping the patients in the hospital during this difficult time. And I'm also thankful that the vaccine is here. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. And uh, uh, I don't know if any of you've got the vaccine yet, but uh, we're thankful that that process is underway. And for all those people who are serving on the front line, the doctors, nurses, technicians, especially EMTs, etc. God bless them. Thank you, Jackie. Nikki. Good morning, family. So <clears throat> yesterday, Manya and I had the opportunity um, to deliver simple gifts to some of our kids in our um, children's programming. So in, in fourth grade, um, our kids go into more of a Bible study format so they can start to read scripture and apply it and start to learn who he is more in depth through the word so that they can start to listen for his voice and they can start to respond to his voice. Um, so as almost like a rite of passage, we give all of our fourth graders their first study Bible. And so we haven't been able to do that in a classroom setting, and that's fine. So Manya and I divided up all the books and went and delivered and personally invited our kids to start with the amazing Miss Amanda Hines leading the group prior to church. We do it from 9 to 9.45 before adult church. And being able to deliver Bibles and see the excitement in our kids' eyes that, for one, they got a gift unexpected because we put them in cute bags. And two, that they got to be with Miss Amanda who encourages the fire out of them and teaches them. Um, it just was amazing and it was simple and it was good. And we had nine kids show up this morning to learn from Miss Amanda. So 
our fourth graders through sixth graders are that um, age group right now. So it was just a pleasure to drive all over the place. We were in Hamtramck, we went to Gross Point, we went out to Troy, <laughs> we were in the car for three hours um, delivering Bibles to kids. It was wonderful. So. What an awesome experience. And for those kids too, to get connected to the word of God and begin to discover how God can speak into their lives. That's really beautiful. Thank you, Nikki. Anybody else? Anybody else? You know, yesterday we were we were doing something in the kitchen or whatever, and there was a knock on the back door. Who's who's coming? You know, it's and knock, 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 knock. So we popped out there, and is our next door neighbors? Uh, uh, this how old is she? Twelve, thirteen. Um, uh, and 12 year old uh, daughter, she had this big box and it was, uh, she was bringing chicken to us uh, just as, as, a, as a gift from their family. And so these, these simple things, you know, sometimes we're the ones that are doing it. Sometimes, you know, it comes back and somebody else does it. I see Norm has raised his hand. So Norm, yes. As soon as they put the light on you there and, and uh, there we go. So, so I know, you know, we were, it was one of the things we wanted to do was meet our neighbors and across the street and behind us and next door to us. And so the neighbors that have lived across from me for probably about 10 years, and uh, um, I've got a couple of work trucks. So sometimes it's parked in front of their house. Sometimes it's on the side of their house. Um, and I try to move them so they're not too obtrusive, but um, after working all night a couple days ago when we had some snow, uh, I got home at around four in the afternoon and went to bed. And about 11.45 p.m., I received a text from my neighbor letting me know that I'd left my dome light on inside my truck across the street. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool that he would... Uh, go out of his way to contact me and i you know praise god for that so it's so awesome so awesome again these simple things you know and love love doesn't get expressed just in the big stuff if we wait for the big stuff the big moments uh it'll never happen jesus said whoever's faithful in little is faithful in much and it's these simple things of loving your neighbor whether it's telling them their dome lights on uh whether it's giving a gift uh uh, whatever it may be, it's these simple things. Amen. God bless. I'll throw it back to whoever's next. Good morning, everyone. I don't know if you can see me yet. There we go. Good morning. Welcome to Genesis this morning. My name is Jerry Gaskell, and I'm going to give you some announcements. Bear with me because there, there are quite a few here. Um, if you're viewing from Facebook, please go to our website and fill out our virtual green card for your prayer requests. If you are on Zoom with us this morning, um, you will see a poll pop up here on Zoom and you can fill out uh, the green card there, put your prayer requests in the chat. If they are private, you can direct those to Bo. And now, for the, the chunk of the announcements, this today we start hosting the Warming Center at Genesis. Um, I just wanna say thank you to everyone who has already signed up to volunteer. We can't do this without you. 
thank you so much for stepping in, every single one of you, um, to help serve our guests. Um, I know this year's a bit different and tearing up a little, but thank you so much from the bottom of all of our hearts, the planning team, for signing up this year. Um, like I said, it starts tonight. We still have five overnight host spots that we have to fill in order to um, have our guests overnight. And we have eight shower spots that we need to fill as well. Um, Allison has posted the dates on the chat there. And so I'll go through, we're gonna focus on just the first week. We want to fill all of the spots that need to be filled today, if possible. So if it's been on your heart to maybe serve with us and you haven't taken that step to sign up yet, you still have questions, feel free to reach out to us. Um, but we wanna try to get those filled right now if we can, or um, by the end of today. So this week, we have some critical spots that need to get filled. The first one is on Tuesday, January 26th. That's for a, a male host spot. It's for the first shift, which starts at 6.30 p.m. and goes until 2 a.m. And then on Sunday, January 31st, we have a second shift spot that's open, any gender. And that technically starts February 1st at 1.45 a.m. But you'll go to bed on the 31st and wake up very early to show up at Genesis at 1.45 a.m. Those are the overnight host spots that we need to fill this week in order uh, to have this week's volunteer spots full for overnight hosts. The next group of um, dates that I have for you is for showers. If we don't fill these shower spots, we won't be able to offer showers on these nights. A reminder for anyone that does sign up for shower spots, it's outside, so you have to dress warm. Make sure you dress warm. Um, the first date for showers that we need to fill is tomorrow, Monday, January 25th. The shift is from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. We have Wednesday, January 27th at the same time, and this Thursday, uh, January 28th at the same time. And then on Sunday again, Sunday, January 31st, we have a afternoon spot that's available from 12.30 to 3.30. So again, if it's been on your heart, um, thank you. I've gotten a couple messages from everyone that has said my hair looks great. I appreciate that, thank you. Um, <laughs> but if it's been on your heart to volunteer, again, there's a link in the chat there that you can use to go sign up right now. We have our training. Uh, video up. You can find that on Facebook. We have links to it in the sign up area. Take a look at that if, if it's been on your heart and if, it, you're, if you have any questions, just let us know. If you've signed up and if you plan to sign up, it's incredibly important that you sign up for a shift, uh, that if you've signed up for a shift, especially the overnight shifts, that you follow through with that commitment especially, or, or sorry, unless you are sick or have been exposed to COVID-19 and need to quarantine, in which case, please contact us as soon as possible to let us know so that we can get your spot filled. Remember, if you've signed up for a second shift, so that's the shift that goes from 1.45 a.m. to 7.15 a.m., please make sure to set your alarm. Um, you don't want to disappoint the first shift team who's anxiously waiting your arrival. 
um, it's hard to make a call in the middle of the night to find another sub or another person to step in at, you know, at 1.45 a.m. If you have any questions about the date or time of your shift, please send us an email. We're always available uh, through there. If you'd like to be someone's hero and sign up to be a sub, check the link in the chat that uh, Allison had put up there. You can sign up for specific dates and you can sign up to be a general sub who doesn't get a call in the middle of the night. But we also have emergency subs, those who are willing to get a call in the middle of the night. Um, and lastly, please be praying for both the guests and the volunteers this year. We, Bo has been having a warming center prayer meeting and that will happen tonight. If you'd like to join that, please send him an email. His uh, email address is in the chat there as well. That was a lot. Um, I'm just gonna end this time in prayer um, for our warming center and, and then we can, we can go on. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the breath that we breathe. Lord, you are the one who has orchestrated all of this. We praise you for the ability to be able to host the warming center this year, despite the public health crisis. We praise you for the guests that have been a part of the warming center program this year. And we praise you for all of those that have been working behind the scenes at each church um, to put this together, Lord. Um, as we move into hosting the overnight portion of the warming center at our church, Lord, I pray that we can be your hands and your feet. I pray for the guests and the entire homeless population knowing that it has not been easy for them this year, even those that are part of the program, Lord. Um, Lord, protect their hearts and their minds. I pray that as we are opening our doors to our guests, that we could be an encouragement to both our guests and, and to our volunteers. Thank you, Lord, for those who have already signed up to help us this year. I pray, Father, that for those who you place this on their, their hearts, Lord, um, but they haven't taken that step to sign up, um, Lord, give them a sign whether they should take that leap or not. Um, I pray that we'll be able to fill the spots that we need to over the next two weeks to be able to continue to host our guests. I pray for a smooth transition, Lord, um, for our guests at Genesis. I pray for a quiet, uneventful time with our guests over the next two weeks. And I pray especially for the health of our volunteers and our guests and all of those that are working to put this on. Lord, be with us all and have your have your hand over the warming center over the next two weeks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. I don't know if you saw it too. Uh, uh, Kelly Knack is, uh, is kind of moderating our Facebook page and Ronnie Hormel threw down and said that he would take that first shift on Tuesday. Ronnie, you are awesome. I don't get to see you here, but it's great to know that you're sitting here um, watching there on Facebook and participating on Facebook. And so uh, participation is still happening. I think one of my language for virtual church services, right, for Zoom or Facebook is that it's not ideal, 
but it's adequate. And um, so I appreciate that there's people who are live here and doing their best to listen. And so I don't know what your house is like. You know, I've got Harvest Watch and Ninja Kids and Carmel here in, in front of me. Um, but your house may be quiet. It may be noisy. It may be just you. Uh, you could have somebody else who has joined you. But it is great to, to be with you. And even if we're not gathered in space, I still believe that that scripture that says when we're gathered in the name of Jesus, as we are, that God is with us and among us, present among us. And so may we be even more aware of that presence right now. James, thank you for leading us in that. Be aware of God's presence. Dan, thank you for leading us in those testimonies and Jerry. So it's been good to be together. Continue to say thank you for uh, as we all change our patterns and our habits right in this time. And that change is so hard. And so for so many, their, their patterns that they have changed just even in their giving, right? And they, they give differently and they give virtually or they give, they text to give or they're mailing stuff in. And we've been just been praising God. Some some have struggled with being on Facebook. We miss seeing those people, right? We miss uh, knowing that that uh, these forms, for some, do not work, right? And so if you know of people who are hurting and just missing connection, we can encourage all of us to, to reach out to them, right? To reach out, to reach out, to reach out, to love, to connect. Um, but thank you for the changing of your patterns and practices for the sake of one another and, and to be together. Thank you for your giving practices and that. And even in this, we continue to see that there's a God of abundance. The God of abundance. And so I want to encourage us that whatever it is, the majority of us have these ideas and fears that if this happens, that this is going to be the natural outcome. Right? That sort of thinking that there's not going to be enough. And yet our God has been the one, whatever he's invited us into, to bring our little that our God provides. And so I praise God for that. So let's just pause and, and cry out to our God, as we said in Psalm 62, who is powerful and who's loving. That's what we know. Unfailing in God's love and powerful. And so may we be anchored in that this morning. So, Father, thank you for your provision. Even the prayer concerns are coming in now for people's family. Just see woman James, where his sister tested positive for COVID. And for others who are just praying for their families or for, for working. And for those who are hurting, right? And, and not feeling good and longing for the flourishing of their kids. Come, Lord. You are unfailing in your love for us and your power. You're able to step into our weakness where we have the inability to be able to move something, to change something. And you, Lord, can breathe in new life and transformation. With one word, Lord, things can change. It's our hope that good is in the future. based upon you. We praise you for that. And so, Lord, we pray as a people, as a church, 
as followers of Jesus. That your kingdom would come to our neighbors, in our own homes, to those right around us, to our coworkers, to the people who are hurting right now that we know by name, who are struggling with either disease or brokenness or alienation. Come, Lord. Or with those who are in need of jobs, breakthrough, come, Lord Jesus. They're in need of guidance, Lord. Come. We trust you, Lord, and we want to participate in what you're doing. And so may your good expand, and may we say yes to join you as we see and hear of the needs around us. May we do it in the name of Jesus and in the love of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's, it's good to be with you all um, this morning. We are, we've been kind of trying to hold a theme, right? A teaching theme for the time that we're together. And that has been a Deep Roots, right? That's been the theme. It's coming out of a book from Rich Viola Das. Uh, and the book is called The Deeply Rooted Life. Um, so if you're intrigued by these ideas, uh, I encourage you to grab the book. Um, but today we're going to be talking more about that. And today we're going to talk about the idea of um, this sort of the internal life of ours, an examined internal life, right? That we would have these deep uh, roots by knowing God and knowing ourselves. So again, let me find my notes here we go. I love the kind of phrase that Rich wrote in his book and for this idea of having this deeply rooted life, this, these deep roots. And I love this, that we're called to have lives shaped by a different kind of power, pace, and priorities offered to us by God. And so when many of us look at our lives, right, whether it be the powers that we're trying to fuel our life, our pace, our priorities, they're not what's offered to God and our lives can feel a little bit divided. And so the hope today is that, that our interior life, the things that are a part of us, would not be divided, but would be holy before God. And that's what we want to look at today. Rich is going to encourage us, and we're going to be encouraging to this kind of the deeply rooted life, looking at one that's one of interior examination. And we've kind of even had that this morning. As Dan was creating a place for us, and as James was creating space for us, and we want to look at some interior examination. An interior examination is a way of life that considers the realities of our inner worlds for the sake of our own flourishing and the call to love well. And so that's why we do this, right? It's for flourishing. We, we know that we were meant. It's a restoration where the God has, has uh, desired things for our inner worlds, for our own flourishing and the call to love well. That this is necessary for us. There's lots of different kind of metaphors for this reality, right, of, of interior examination. One of them is like looking under the hood of your souls, right, when uh, using the car on the broken down car to look within it to say, hey, what's going on here? And not just ignoring what is happening in our interior lives. 
going below the deck of our lives using that sort of a boat analogy. Knowing that if there's an issue with the boat, if there's a cracked hole, that the boat will sink. And even the iceberg analogy, right? That knowing there's things that are unseen, right? Below the surface of our lives. There's the part of our lives that are seen and there's the part that is not. And interior examination is what helps us to bring in those unseen things into reality. Not the sake to shame us, not the sake for to embarrass us, but for the sake of flourishing, for the sake of being deeply rooted and having growth, right? A true sense of our own growing and flourishing in the call to love well. This can be incredibly difficult for some. For so often we can go without sort of examining the interior areas of our lives for, for ages to where we don't see what's going on, where somehow it's hidden from us. One of these, uh, one of these images, a tool that has been really helpful for me, I'm going to share this with you all. It's called the Jahari window. And so it's just a tool sort of reminding us of, um, what could potentially going on inside of us. So let me get back to my... This tool's been helpful for me when I think about interior examination and also just another framework for, for joining in this conversation. This is the Jahari window that I'm sharing with you. This is a tool of examination. It's, it's it's bringing to the surface what is known about ourselves and what is known to others. Those are the categories on this, um, you call this a matrix, right? And so the more that you know yourself and what is known to others is called the arena, right? This is known to all. This is what I know of me and others know of me. Whether it be good or more negative, it, it's out in the open, right? It's free, I'm not trying to hide anything. What is known to me but isn't known to others, you can see in that upper left-hand corner, it's called the facade, right? And so in the facade, we're trying to hide things from others. We don't want it to be known. I know it, but others don't. And so the, the best is to, we want to keep that from others. The lower left-hand corner is the unknown. I don't know it, and others don't know it, right? Completely blind to it. It's unknown. And then in the lower right-hand corner is what is known to others but is not known to me, and you can call that the blind spot, right? But this matrix just is kind of, it's like knowing yourself and, and knowing others, and it's the tool that allows us to know that interior examination can kind of help us know, hey, what's going on in our, in our inner worlds? Some people can have this idea of what's going on because they can see it. They can see it in our eyes, they can see it on our faces, they can see it in our responses, because all those things sometimes tell. But today we're kind of talking about not only using the help of others, but, but God facilitating by knowing what is going on in us. One of the great truths that I know to be so good is that um, God knows me through and through. And the desire for, for me is to know God through and through, but also to know myself. Psalm 139 is this psalm right, that continues the Psalm of David, that places this, this reality and this idea, God knows me, right, you can, if you have a Bible, right, and you want to pull it up on your phone, this is Psalm 139, 
it's a song that maybe you even know, right? It's a pretty famous song. And I, I love the songs because they continue to, to paint this, this idea of interior life, of what's going on. And Psalm 139 is this beautiful song that kind of describes that God knows us. Nothing is hidden about us and God, right? Nothing is out of, so it, there is no Jahari window of unknown of our lives with God. <laughs> he knows it all. The Psalm starts out saying, you have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Even when we're even unaware of our own thinking, of our own feeling, our own sensing, God is, is aware. We get, to, we get a sight of that in the life of Jesus when he knows what people are thinking and feeling. So as you discern my going out and my lying down, you're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He knows us and he loves us. That's the beauty of this. You can read the whole psalm, and it's about being known. But the psalm ends with this beautiful request of David from Psalm 139. It's one that I use often. But I think the psalm starts with something that we have to be mindful of. God knows us. He's very aware. But then here's what David does. In verse 23 of Psalm 139, he says this. Search me, God. Know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. He's asking for God's help to make it known to him. God, in your searching, let me know what is going on. Let me be aware of this, because this is the way of flourishing. This is the way to life. So God, search me. Know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me into the way everlasting. Do you have a pattern of even asking that? God, sure. Teach me what's going on. I want to invite you. I consider that to be. This is this practice of deeply reading. We need this interior examination going on in our lives. Now, the goal of of this idea of self-examination or interior examination is freedom, right? It's freedom. It's freedom for destructive patterns and inner messages and, and the ways of viewing things that might be false. And I think that if you're like me, sometimes the idea of digging into some of these deep patterns and inner messages and wrong ways of of perceiving things can seem like they're almost too much to handle. Like we're almost afraid to dip into that. We're afraid of what that might do. I love the reminder that Rich makes in his book when he says that our faith is one that's marked by this interplay of crucifixion and resurrection. That what often seems like an end is just preparation for a new beginning. So we often think that what feels like this end, if we take a step in this direction, is going to feel like it's going to be the end of you, will actually bring new life in God as we step into this. 
right? That's where growth happens. A friend has been um, uh, walking with me as I try to create tools and practices um, for that, right? And one of these tools is a growth mindset. And that's, this, that's all what is sort of happening here in this, um, about this idea of looking at the growth mindset. And the growth mindset kind of believes is that, oh my gosh, even all these things that are considered negative are, are, could be for our good. That they can produce new life. We could step into the crucifixion of sorts, but we know there's a God who's always bringing resurrection. This is what God does. It's not the end, it's preparation. Uh, I love some of these images, right? So some people who are visual, visual uh, in this, we, we need things like this. So let me throw up this uh, picture of what a growth mindset kind of looks like. This might be helpful as I share this with you. Okay, here you go. And so in the growth mindset, as we step into this, when we see these, these areas, maybe of pain or of patterns or false ways of looking at things, that failure is an opportunity to grow. That's what the growth mindset looks at. It's an opportunity for freedom for God to speak into. Uh, it, it sort of speaks this language of, I can learn to do anything I want, right? There's learning. We can grow in this. Challenges help me grow. Feedback is, like these are all statements, right? These are feedback, it's constructive. My effort and attitude determine my abilities. I'm inspired by the success of others. I like to try new things, that's a growth mindset. When we think about parenting, we want our kids to have that, right? We, we, we want that for our children. Like, yeah, we want you to try new things. We want you to, to, to your challenges to allow you to grow. We want you to see failure as an opportunity to grow, but this is a posture of lifelong learning. This is what deep roots is, this possibility of growing. Growing in our love and growing in our awareness, growing and in, 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 uh, us being whole. Now, a fixed mindset. That means that failure is the limit of my abilities, right? So failure would say, oh, I can't, I'm not good at this, so I'm not gonna step into it. So I'm either good at it or I'm not. And the abilities are unchanging. Has a statement of I don't like to be challenged, or I can either do it or I can't. My potential's predetermined. When I'm frustrated, I give up. You can see this. We're being encouraged today, and I want to encourage us into this interior life, this, this life of faith. This is this idea toward growth. That's what we're talking about deep roots. Those are growing roots as we continue to become more aware of the internal world. We allow God to search us and to step into these practices for our good. That's why I want to invite us into. And we can see in Psalm 139 that David did this. And we're invited to follow this pattern where you make time for interior examination. Where his life is integrated enough to surrender his inner world to God. And we have the courage to face ourselves. And we believe this is what growth will happen. For many of us, we do want to hide the broken parts of ourselves from others. 
even from ourselves. But we want to step toward freedom. We want to take steps towards self-examination to be able to dig in and say, our Lord, teach me. Sometimes I can be surprised with how long it might take me on this journey into my interior life and to ask the deeper questions of why. Looking at responses, looking at emotions, and looking at patterns. But I know that when I do, it's for my good. This last week, God was leading me on a journey when he was exposing, when he was uh, allowing me the grace, right, to check in and to ask some deeper questions and some things that were going on within my interior life. And usually it, it happens to God reminding us, right, and leading us on a journey as we look back at our life. And, and uh, I, last Sunday, I, it was kind of funny, I woke up on Sunday morning, I knew what we were talking about, I knew we were talking about racism, right? And I don't know if, if currently you wake up and you've already got conversations going on in your head immediately when you wake up. And I, I woke up already in a conversation, right? I was already thinking about the leaders in our country and how they have lied, right? That, that, I'm just being honest. I'm not, right, I'm not, don't, not trying to say it's good or bad, but probably bad to wake up thinking that. But I woke up immediately with that idea. That's what was in my head. I'm, just, I'm sharing this as an awareness, right? I woke up and my first thought was, towards, towards political leaders, they're lying. That's what, I, that's what was going on. And uh, I step into the shower, and as I'm in there in that quiet space, I'm reminded, I was reminded of something in my own life. And this is just how it works, right? And uh, when the coronavirus kicked in last year, like a week before it all went down, this was March of last year, I'm reminded of the story, right? I had paid for this auto part at the Honda dealer in order to get a car fixed. And they asked you to pay up front. The part's really expensive. And the part was like $500, right? So I was like, and, and the whole thing was going to be like $1,500 of repairs. And I was like, oh, goodness. Oh, gosh. Okay, all right. I guess I've got to do it, right? So I paid the $500, and then everything shut down, and I didn't get it repaired. Um, and then a few months later, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I paid for that part, and we really can't afford to get this done. We're going to choose not to, right? Um, so maybe I can ask for that money back. We didn't use the part, um, so I'll ask for it back. So this was probably June. So I call in, I talk to the person, and immediately I say this. Yeah, I bought this piece for this job, for the car. I think it was like $500. We didn't get the work done. I have sold the car, and I no longer have it. And would I be able to get a refund? And the guy goes like, ah, goes into all this stuff. Do doesn't happen. But, but that's what I told him. That is an outright lie, right? Oh my gosh. I, 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 I didn't do it, right? I, I still have the car sitting out in front of my house, right? But it's not, and, um, and, and the hard part with that is when you kind of sit back and I was like, oh, out loud, outright lie. Now, I haven't thought about that for months. Until I'm in the spot thinking, oh, wait a minute, yeah, I, I lied to the, um, the people at the Honda dealer. Now, the, the, cha the, the, the work of God is just not in, in identifying that. The hard work comes in a couple different places. One, why did I lie about that? Right? Like, hey, what's going on? 
And, and, and initially my thought was, well, it's just easier. I didn't want to have to tell a story. But part of it was like, hey, it, it just looks better, right? I, I don't have to show weakness of saying, you know what? Couldn't afford that. I didn't want to show that, even to a complete stranger. It did not matter to this person. They, did not, they don't know me, but I didn't want them to see that. And so for whatever reason, and I justified it because I was like, oh, I've already paid for it. It doesn't really matter what the story is. I'm just asking for the money back for something I didn't get. But yet the story that I was telling myself is that it's worth not to tell the truth, right? For the sake that I don't want to look maybe weaker, smaller, in need. See, the truth of the matter that I know is that God has been the one who's always taken care of me. One of my favorite teachings within Judaism is said that when you go to a grocery store or you're stopping and somebody or you're, you're out at a restaurant and they, and they don't bill you properly or they give you too much change, you always give it back. You always correct it because um, God's blessing does not come at the mistakes of others. That God's good to us comes because God is good. And God has provided for us that we don't need someone to make a mistake for us to, to make it, right? And so I've, I know that truth. And so I don't have to lie or spin a truth in order to make it look better for me because God provides for me. But yet can you begin to see, and then the, the big question is like, why did it take me so long to realize that, mm -hmm. right? And for some, it's like we don't have the practices put in place that continue to allow us to have those things that would be brought up almost immediately. Well, this last week I went into, I was like, when, when that happens, right, when the Lord brings those things to me, I know there's a deeper work where I have to ask the question, why? Right, why I join with the Lord and say, oh Lord, what, what is the truth I'm believing there? And the other thing is that I need also to spend and, and, and make it right. Um, so on, on Tuesday, I drove into the Honda dealership found the parts guy named Morris. I go in there and remind him of this story. He runs and gets the part for me thinking I'm asking to pay for it. I'm like, oh no, sorry, Morris. <laughs> I need to tell you, I, I lied to you. I told you that I had sold the car and I lied. Not right. Um, and then I, but I also felt like I needed to tell him that it was God who was right. I wanted it to be, hey, this is, this is not a shame moment. This is a good news moment. My good news is that God takes care of me and provides for me and forgives me, right? That's my good news that I wanted to share with Morris. Not knowing who this person would be and what their story is, right? So, but I wanted to make it right. Um, and I sat there with Morris, stood there in front of Morris and Morris is like, I'm a Christian. And then he told me, I think God sent you to do this for me because I, uh, I did the same thing last week and he was being mindful of it. So now, Again, I, I wasn't I was doing that because right because I knew I wanted to make it right. But here's God who is at work in, in all of us. But the interior examination is those things and we begin to ask questions why? Right? We begin to ask deeper things, we begin to dig in for our own good and for freedom. Because I tell you what, you know, I, I knew I had lied to the Honda dealer. You know what my plan was? I'm never going back to the Honda dealer, right? <laughs> am I going to get my old change there anymore? I am not going back, even though they are amazing. Uh, but that's not, the, that's not the path. So we need help moving forward uh, in this. We need tools 
in order so that we can take steps towards self-examination. And so I want to share just a few tools. I want to invite you into these. I want to see what God may want to do in you with these tools. Um, you can read about these things, but really the kind of the question is, do you have practices of self-examination, of interior examination, so that you can grow, that we can find new freedom, we can flourish, and we can love well, because we need these. We need deep roots. And if you know me, you know those areas where I don't want to look into. And, and for many of you, if I've had the chance to know you, I know you don't want to either, right? Um, but we need to for our good. So let's encourage, I want to encourage you towards this. I want to encourage you to take steps. This is going to take work. This is going to take boldness. And this is going to take some action. So I do want to invite you into this for growth, for your freedom. And so what are the steps that you could take? For self-examination. So here's one. You can examine your family of origin. How did you get to where you are? What are the stories? What are the emotions? This is hard work to do so. You're looking at patterns and trauma and scripts. You're looking at the good, but you're also looking at the, ba the bad, right? That, that, that's one. That's all I want to say to this, There is, but there is great work to be done there. This is. Uh, there's a tool called the, the, the the genogram, where it allows you to look at your, your family of origin in order to create the space and the time that is hard work. And most of us don't want to look at it because we know it's a mixed bag. And there's things that we don't want to be open to. There's certain parts where we, with, the, with certain memories where we're like, no, no, uh-uh, that's off limits. We don't talk about that. We don't acknowledge that. Yes, that is my son without a shirt on and his underwear in the picture. Harvest, back up. Harvest, go back towards the vent. <laughs> You're on screen, honey. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, I threw a poll in there. So I, I want to... Um, just for this one. So as we talk about, uh, would you like assistance in examining your family of origin? If it's no, you don't got to answer it, right? <laughs> but you know what? No, I take that back. It's participation, folks. Answer that no if you want to answer that no. You're here and you're alive. Throw down the no, right? Let us know that you were here. Um, but that's that poll. This is that, you kind of know this is where you can do some work, right? This is where God can get your attention. Um, this isn't to embarrass your family. This isn't to pull the skeletons at that. This isn't to shame anybody. This is for God to look at the interior parts of our lives, right? To have some space where God can bring those things up. Would you like some assistance doing this? None of us want to do it. But by saying, yes, I have your email address, right? And we're going to contact you, right, to actually do something with this. So that may be you. All right, so what's some other things that we can do? in order to start growing some deeper roots into this reality. I'm gonna give this another couple more uh, seconds. All right, I'll end that. Thanks for answering that poll. Hey, the other thing we can do is that we can examine our anxiety. Right, and this is a part of sort of interior self-examination. Rich puts out a couple questions that are super helpful. Sort of the who and what situations that make you anxious. So when we began to examine, we allow, we know we're anxious, we begin to, um, to look at it. 
And sometimes there's certain things that makes us anxious because you know, there's conflict. We know that we're going to present something. We know that something is hard. That makes sense. But there's other times when there's just, just ongoing chronic anxiety. And when that's going on, we know we need help. One of the biggest realities for me of this past year is when I experienced panic attacks, right? And I think it was April. I sat here at this exact table with Carmel right there in front of me. And I used this language. It was the first time I've ever used this language towards anxiety. And I would say, hey, um, I would describe my experience right now with anxiety as suffering. Right? It... it it wasn't just like, oh yeah, this is a normal part. Here's conflict. Here's some stress with money. Here's right this, these things that that make me anxious and rightly so, right? These things that provoke it and in sort of these ways, maybe not rightly so, but we know where the origin is coming from. There comes moments when you're looking at it, and you're like, oh gosh, this isn't health. This isn't good. This is constant. This is pain. For many of you who have experienced that, you know that. You know it 10 times more than I do. The pain and the suffering that it comes there. When I acknowledged that immediately, I called my doctor, right? And I told him, I think I've, I think I've turned the corner. It was like in that moment of this interior examination where I was able to say out loud, I would call this suffering. Almost in the same way that I've had a broken bone, right? The same, the same way that if something was going on in my body, I'd say, hey, I'm in pain here. This isn't good, this isn't right, I, I need some help. And at that, that moment, my, my doctor prescribed something, but I knew that that wasn't the only thing. I also needed some people to help me dig in a little bit deeper to these interior things, this trauma based on my past that I believed that it was, it was happening. A great tool that somebody shared with me um, at that time was this idea of the window of tolerance. This was an incredibly helpful tool for me uh, that was coming up. Let me share this, just an image of this, because this, this, this is the window of tolerance. Uh, this image, I think, just helps for our conversation today, right? Like, we all have this, like, window we can tolerate, right? You're grounded, flexible, middle, right? You're open, curious, you're present. You're able to emotionally self-regulate. But when you get pushed outside of that window, and you can see there's this upper thing of the hyperarousal, hyper or into the lower, the hypoarousal, um, you're not present. Right? You're not able to be present in the normal parts of life. You're outside of your window. And in the hyper was high energy, anxiety, anger, overwhelmed, hypervigilance, the fight or flight, chaotic, and it's right, so you're kind of like amped up. And that's where I was. I was like constantly in that, like locked on in the hyperarousal for months. Hypervigilant, checking my temperature multiple times a day, <laughs> right? Every, every day, thinking I'm something wrong is happening, anxious, high energy, looking over. For some, you go into hypoarousal, you shut down, you go numb, depressed, passive, withdrawn, you freeze, you go into areas of shame. But all of us are trying to get back into that window of tolerance. We're able to regulate. Praise God, right? Through the help of medicines, which I'm still taking currently today. I'm still on an anti-anxiety medicine. Um, and and uh, 
I'm not meeting with therapists currently, but I was meeting with a number of them over the summer. And if I felt like I was hitting that spot again, I'll immediately go back. But those kinds of things are super important for helping us dig in, examining our own anxiety. So how are you? Do you are you able to kind of step into your own anxiety and saying, what's causing this? What is going on? Who in what situations are making you anxious? The third thing that we can do is we can examine our feelings. And with that, I want to give you just a few questions. When you're thinking about your own feelings. Let me give that to everybody. Here's four questions. We talk about your own feelings, right? What are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? What are you glad about? These could be questions that could ask you, right? If you're looking for each ones that you could be able to look into your own feelings. Ken Burt and I have been doing this kind of this kind of examination period. We're using the prayer of examine. And one of the questions is about our feelings and our emotions from the day where we're looking back. And we're trying to do that on a daily pattern because we, we know we miss things. We miss things. We miss freedom. We miss growth. We miss opportunity to learn, right, if we don't do this. Because our natural tendency is just to be tired and to be busy right and to move on because uh, because we're like oh no no not now we're, we're i'm gonna put that away i don't want to look at that but when you're digging into that we can go into it here's these questions right do you need do you do you process your emotion how you're feeling what are you mad about what are you sad about what are you anxious about what are you glad and the final tool that is given, not the final, right, but another one that we could dig into, is one about examining your reactions. Why are you, why am I reacting this way? What is causing me to feel this angst? Why am I being so triggered by this person? Here is a great, Rich shares this, um, these five questions when it comes to examining our reactions as a way of getting to life, right? As a way of getting to freedom. And here's like five questions that you get asked, right? By looking at your own reactions. What happened? What was I feeling? What am I feeling? What's the story I'm telling myself? Love this question. What's the gospel say? And here's the fifth. What counter instinctual action is needed? Now, this is the thing. I didn't know that I was doing this, but when I was processing my reaction to lie to the parts manager at the Honda dealership, this is, this is what I was doing, right? It's like, what happened? Oh, I lied to the Honda dealer. What am I feeling? I was feeling, uh, I was feeling uh, small, right? I was feeling embarrassed. Uh, maybe I was like, I, I was feeling I need to take things into my own hands. Like, what was the story I was telling myself? I've, I've got to make this happen, right? i got to take care of this. I can make this better by twisting truth. That's what I was telling myself. I was telling it's not a big deal, right? What does the gospel say? Oh, but man, the good news says, God says, I've got you. i got your life. I got your clothes. 
I got your future. That's what that's the good news, right? Jesus himself, why are you worrying about this bow? <laughs> why are you worrying about this part? And this little bit of money. And what's the counter instinct, instinctual action that's needed? One, I needed to share it, right? I, I, I needed to share what I had done. And then the counter instinctual thing that too I needed to do was I'm alive, but I needed to tell the guy who I'd done it to to make it right. Um, it was the favorite part of my last week. The favorite, my favorite, my best memory, one of my highlights of not, one of my highlights of my last week was standing in front of Morris and telling him the truth. I felt God's pleasure and joy, and I felt freedom. Right? <laughs> not that I can now go back to the Honda dealer, right, and get an oil change. <laughs> it's way bigger than that, right? It, it's the freedom of a lie that says I gotta take care of myself. Right? This freedom of my roots, moving a little bit deeper in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? When I'm examined. And so, church, um, I wanna invite you into this, and I don't know what spot is resonating with you. Do you have practices in your interior life? Are you are you growing in this, right? Are you growing deeper roots by this growth mindset, by being, being willing to look at your failures as an opportunity to grow when we ask why? To step into our weaknesses. What is grabbing your attention today? All right, that's what I have this morning. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the pastor thing and probably pray a 30 second prayer. <laughs> And then um, I, I invited Pete to kind of listen, and, and I just invited Pete to listen to the Holy Spirit and see if there was any kind of response that was needed for today and see even there's prophetic something that's grabbing Pete's attention um, for even our time this morning, right? So I'm going to invite Pete to share uh, in that. So Pete, thank you for leading us in that way. So, but Father, we thank you for your good. Holy Spirit. I invite you, breathe upon our church and, 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 and breathe in for our good, this internal examination for where we might be afraid to look at the pain, to look into our sorrow, to look into our actions or to our reactions, to look into our feelings or emotions or look at our family, wherever, Lord, wherever there is resistance to that. May that, may we be aware of that to know that potentially there's some work to be done there. Oh, Father, give us grace for freedom's sake, Lord, that we would have deep roots in you, that we would flourish into wholeness and that we would love well. Thank you, God, that there is hope for transformation and growth in you. Thanks, Bill. Um, I'll just start this off by saying I, I jotted down a number of things that kind of jumped out at me throughout the beginning of everything today through where we are now. But in general, one of the things, if you know me and know even some of my hobbies, I love being out in the yard, love growing things. And, and I like the, the concept of the series of just growing solid roots, because then at that point, we're going to have healthy plants focusing on the things that are going to matter for the long term. And so 
that's exciting for me. And here we have green plants here and some of them sometimes survive inside. But um, so some of the things that I, I wrote down might just be, oh yeah, remember that point. Maybe it's even something else that God has spoken to me and, and just listen here, I guess, for God to speak to us. Some things that I heard, the strength to look inside ourselves and know ourselves and knowing ourselves and then knowing others and being involved in those uh, relationships with others that we can uh, know them as well. Psalm 139 is a big theme of just nothing is hidden with God. He knows us well. He's created us. And, and even from the beginning of the time with James and with Buttries of just saying, allowing us to stop and breathe and listen and simply look inside, know ourselves as, as God knows us, truly knows us and has made us even in the first place. Um, and then even transitioning and saying, allowing us, allowing myself to crucify those false understandings of the old and, and holding on to that, but just crucifying that and then resurrecting into the life that we have in God, that God has and wants for us. Um, and just allowing us to set aside our, our own thinking and allowing God to shape and transform that thinking. And then as, as even Bo was talking, I kind of wrote down a, a little, <laughs> my little chicken scratch at this point, but talking about starting with interior examination looking inside and having a change of heart, whether it's with a Morris in our lives, whether it's with um, a brother or with a, a family member or a neighbor, but just looking, um, looking inside, having a change of heart in that situation, which is, is actually seriously looking at it and then coming to grips with it, but then moving to action. And then the cool thing is that the action didn't end with, with Bo, for example, but it never ends with us. It ends up doing something, it impacts others, and then there's overflow because who knows what Morris ended up doing later on that day or even two minutes later. Um, and steps to take of looking at our families of origin, looking at our uh, anxieties, our feelings, our reactions. And then really kind of as the big thing here of just saying those deep roots, again, our plants right outside might not be looking that great now, right now, but if they have those roots, they're gonna be going for the long-term, but having deep roots for growth and taking steps toward what God has made for, for me, um, which is exciting. And yeah, so I was, thank you both for that. And um, yeah, I was really encouraged to get in today with a lot. Um, yeah, so thank you church for being with us. And now's time for us to have time as community.